Everybody comes to us and says, my biggest fear is I'm in the meeting and I say something dumb. I'm talking to my boss and he thinks I'm an idiot. I make a fool out of myself or nobody understands what I'm saying. I lose my train of thought. It's all of these doomsday scenarios that are, that are basically saying, what if my worst go at this is terrible? And welcome back to the Ultra Speaking Podcast. This is episode six, and I'm your host, Tristan DeMontebello. Now, today's a special episode, so I'm happy you tuned in. A few months ago, we got interviewed by Amit Pandey, who has a podcast called Wish I Knew That Before. He's the host, and he's a phenomenal interviewer. So much so that we kept hearing from people listening to his podcast episode saying that it was the best one so far although we didn't even have it on our own podcast. So we asked Amit, hey, can we publish this to our own audience? He said yes, and I'm very grateful to him for that. I encourage you to go check out his podcast, Wish I Knew That Before, and give him a follow. If you're listening to this episode, the day it comes out or in the next few days, you're in for a treat. The Ultra Speaking Fundamentals course is open for enrollment. We only open it every few months, and it is now. This is the best thing we've ever produced. We see extraordinary transformations over the board through this course. We just came out with our ultra speaking score and I believe the average score of people coming in is 47 out of 100 people coming out of the ultra speaking fundamentals course which lasts six weeks total with one week break in the middle 15 days of actual coaching come out with an 81 average score. So this is really the best we've ever produced. If you want to change how you speak, how you feel about speaking, and how able you are to express yourself in any scenario, regardless of the pressure, this is the best we have to offer. I'm very proud of it. Don't worry if not, just sit back, relax, and listen to this wonderful episode. I'll see you on the other side. I loved researching pretty much everything about ultra speaking because you guys have such a unique and I won't say counterintuitive but not so common approach and philosophies around speaking in general. So before we actually get into the meat of the philosophy of ultra speaking, let's let's first define what is public speaking according to you guys because you guys have a very interesting thought to it. Yeah, I you know, I was thinking about this the other day so I, I want to test out my thinking here cuz you know, public speaking goes way back in time, right? You you when you think of orators, you think of uh, I don't know Plato and Socrates, and they're standing, you know, on this on this giant podium in front of the entire whatever they called towns at that point. What they don't talk about is like Plato's cousin who goes back home and tells about Plato on the main stage, and he's in front of his family and friends, and they're all listening to him, right? They only focus on the people who are in front of big crowds, and they call that public speaking. And so, because that's the case, when you get fast forward all the way to, I don't know, 1960s, maybe a little earlier, the Mad Men era where everyone's wearing suit and ties, right? Well, that's public speaking, right? Everybody is, is buttoned up and they're professional and they have this great executive presence. And it's always been associated with a certain style, a certain energy of having to be this front man or front woman. I mean, probably front man, because that's that's how history has unfolded. And so public speaking has had the connotation that you are this important position and now your job is to be this figure, this public figure. But the truth is most of the people that 
that are watching this or listening to this, that's not, that's not their place in society. Their place in society is they, they go to work or they go to school and they have to speak in front of their colleagues. And all of a sudden, they still get nervous and they still fear, feel the same fears and symptoms of public speakers. So to us, when we look at public speaking, we see, okay, well, the history behind it has made it into something that it really isn't. And we started asking ourselves, what is the difference between public speaking and just speaking? And that's the question that really has set off this incredible journey together, where the more we dig, the more we discover, the more we realize, I don't, I don't think there's much of a difference between the two. I think it all comes down to the amount of pressure you're feeling. It's yeah. really as simple as that. If you're going to, a, if, if you're in a situation where you have to talk to a, a girl, if you're a boy, you have to talk to a girl, you're probably feeling tremendous pressure, right? Yeah, yeah. That's public speaking, or at least the the skills you need to feel like yourself and to access your best ideas and to be able to, you know, be a human being, thrive and enjoy it are exactly the same skills that are going to allow you to talk to your boss, to lead a meeting and to get into any of those situations that so many people want to give the eulogy. Right, right, right. <laughs> So, so you guys are saying that public speaking is there's there's no difference at all like at least what we feel internally between what the history has taught us about public speaking and every in everyday conversation like why don't we call it as public speaking because there's hardly anything different you're talking to a set of friends you're talking to your colleagues you are speaking so speaking is the common element so what changes what changes and why do we feel the pressure when we are just talking to a friend one-on-one -on -one, and let's say when we take the stage to present in front of a larger audience or we are giving a presentation in front of the boss, what changes? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, Will Smith tells the story of being scared of skydiving and not yeah. being able to sleep for 48 hours, just dreading this thing, wondering why did he sign up for it? And he just like couldn't escape his body and how terrible it felt until the moment he fell out of the plane and realized this is the greatest feeling in the world. So part of the part of the dread or the things we fear is just the anticipation of having this event that you are planning for. When we speak with people, we don't really plan to speak with them. Okay. We just kind of show up and the conversation unfolds naturally. But as soon as we start saying I have a presentation coming mm. up or I have a speech coming up, already something in our mind changes and we start to place extra emphasis on this event. And part of us wants to imagine how it will go and control the outcome. And a big part of us does the opposite. It imagines how it might go and all of the different scenarios that we want to avoid. So a lot of this, this pain of public speaking, I think, doesn't even happen in the speaking part. It just happens in our projection of it days or weeks in advance. And, uh, and that's where the real problem begins, I feel. I really like how you put it there, Michael. It's interesting because these are questions that we've been thinking about basically nonstop or coming back to nonstop for the past four years. What I notice is that the answers get more and more nuanced. The answers evolve. And every time we answer this question or, or speak about it or think about it, I notice that it comes out a little bit differently as we try to understand this better. At the core of it all, it, it comes down to not knowing how it's going to go. So if I'm going to talk to my sister, I know how it's going to go. I know that she's not going to judge me. 
I know that if I say something dumb, we're going to laugh about it. I know how I'm going to feel. I'm probably going to feel good. I know all of these things. But if I'm going to a job interview and I don't know who the person is or I'm, or I'm going to lead a meeting or give a presentation in front of 50, 100 people, there are so many unknowns, in particular how I'm going to feel, that can lead to the beginning of the anxiety. And if you let the anxiety go unchecked and you don't know what to do about it, anxiety can turn into panic, can turn into loss of sleep, and can turn into everything you're, you're actually trying to avoid. So I think it comes down to that. It's, it's not knowing how we're going to feel and what it's going to be like and wanting control over something that you can't control. Yeah. When you do have that job interview, yeah. all of a sudden, there's something about it that seems important to you. Talking to your sister, eh, it's, it happens all the time, but a job interview, suddenly we feel like this thing has to go well. Yeah. The presentation at work, this thing has to go well. And the more people we meet, the more we see that mindset solidified for every job interview and every presentation. There's just this feeling that like this event is going to control the outcome of my career. Yeah. And something I'm reminded of very often is, you know, one of my roommate back in college, his first job, he gets this uh, interview, he goes three, four rounds in, and it's this small company of like three individuals, high, uh, high growth startup, whatever. He doesn't get the job. He's super bummed. A few months later, he gets a job uh, at Hulu. Hulu is an amazing place to work. Yeah. Um, and he looks back and that job is like, it's just three really boring adults grinding away for hours on end. And this would have been his first job. What a terrible way to live life when you're fresh out of college. But he wanted it so bad. And we want these job interviews so badly, thinking our life is going to change for the better when we have no idea what success looks like in life. So we place so much expectation and pressure on an event going well because we feel, we believe with all our hearts that it has to go well because this is how our life has to turn out. Yeah. And that pressure is debilitating because there's we, we start preparing for it. We start going, okay, let's memorize this. Let's prepare for this. Let's cover all our angles. And now you just created for yourself so much work when at the end of the day, if you have the, the belief that, you know what? Let's relax a little bit. I'm going to show up. I'm going to do my best, but I'm going to trust that no matter how it goes, it's for my greater good and I'll be able to navigate life in that mentality. Well, then suddenly one event can't control your entire week or month to come. Yeah. And I think that's what makes public speaking become speaking. When you yeah. stop treating public speaking events as these big important things and more just like talking to your sister, they're just events that unfold in the course of life. I love that. The way you guys uh, put out the thought about that our feeling of control, our feeling of ultimately making things according to like we visualize, like people talk about creative visualization and that this is what should happen. This is how it should go. Instead of thinking that this is how everything will go, we are completely relaxed. We we think in the opposite direction. What if I forget? What if what if this happens? What if uh, a person in the crowd heckles or, or does something and our mind just goes into this rabbit hole of imagining things that would never happen. But that fear that leads to that day up till that day, it's, as you said, it's so debilitating. One thing that you said that's quite interesting to unravel is you said trusting yourself. 
and believing that things will go well it's tough right how do you trust yourself and because it's not one day a small tactic that i'll always just say trust yourself i trust myself and it it won't happen so how do you guys coach someone to build that trust to build that comfortability that hey you know what whenever the high pressure thing would come you got this you have to earn it you have to earn <laughs> you have to earn it there's no other way you can't you can't wish your way to confidence you can't wish your way to to ease there is um michael gervais the sports psychologist has an awesome podcast he says that confidence is credible self-talk confidence is credible self-talk it's the ability of, to say i got this yeah that is rooted in past experiences that prove to yourself that you actually do yeah. got that right yeah. so that's why we've created all of these tools that allow you to simulate or to create to recreate pressure in an environment where the stakes aren't as real and you can get a ton of reps because the only way to feel confident going into a meeting going into a situation where you didn't feel confident before is that you feel like you've encountered that situation or worse or tougher so many times in the past yeah and found a way out well that will allow you when you're walking into the meeting or the interview or whatever it is that creates pressure for you that will allow you to say you know what i got this yeah. and it's going to be rooted in past experiences yeah. and if you have that if you have the self talk and and the internal credibility <laughs> then then you're confident and then it becomes very very different in speaking confidence is not is not necessarily knowing that you are going to get everything right hmm. cuz we are imperfect human beings and nothing always goes right except with a machine what we want to get to in speaking is even if everything goes wrong i'm going to find a way to make it good that's the real confidence in speaking you have to have everything go wrong many 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 times ideally with low stakes and found ways to turn that mess into a masterpiece and if you've done that successfully then you can basically be thrown into any environment any situation and it becomes a game now suddenly you're enjoying it you're playing around you know you'll find a way out and the stakes just suddenly melt it's it doesn't feel as insanely scary and high stakes as it used to I was watching a, a chess grandmaster. Shout out to Hikaru. <laughs> play games against lower ranked people without certain pieces on his board. So his opponent would have the full setup, but he'd take away a few of his pieces, which are valuable strategic advantages, and he'd take them away and say, "Let's see if I can beat him without my queen. Let's see mm. if I can beat him without my my knights or my bishops." And I'm watching him play and. He's at a disadvantage, but he's finding ways to maneuver. And he's he's essentially, if you look at what he's doing, he's deliberately putting himself into a hole and seeing if he can dig himself out. And there's an inherent fun in that, in seeing, am I able to do this? So our approach is, well, what if you trained your speaking in that way? What if while you were speaking in practice, we actually started to throw random words at you and your job is to integrate them into your speech and see if you can actually give a meaningful speech that's one example 
what if we started to train in kind of this way where we're not just training regular chess games and playing a million of them? Let's now start giving ourselves disadvantages and seeing, well, what happens mm-hmm. then? Not only do we uncover our, our weak links that we can practice, but we can also start building up that confidence of like, wow, even without a bishop or like, wow, even without a script, even with random words thrown at me, I can still get through the end and have it go okay. Yeah. So now when I show up to the meeting and I did prepare and I don't have random words thrown at me, it's speaking is going to feel so much easier because I'm not practicing under this these extreme constraints. Here's the thing, like what you mentioned throughout the conversation was that the environment won't be in your control all the time. You have to be prepared for any environment. When you guys talk about low stakes situation, you know, like I'm just talking to my colleague. Am I comfortable? Let, let, let me practice. Let me see. Like I, I do it all the time because, you know, like coming from India, English is not my first or primary language. And I was always comfortable with just it's speaking in Hinglish. Hinglish is like Hindi plus English mix all the time. <laughs> so when I came to US, I, I felt that, hey, I have an environment where in India, most of my friends would just talk in Hindi and I wouldn't get that practice or rep in. But here, if I'm sitting in, in an Uber, I have the chance to talk with them. Low stake situation, but I can practice it. If I am at my job, pretty much I'm actually happy that I don't have any Indian friend in my, at least in my team, there's no Indian. So pretty much with everyone, I'm forced to talk in English. Low stake situation, but I'm still practicing it over there. I love the idea that you put out that high stake situation might come like very rarely or like once in a blue moon, but low stake situations are always there. I I do want to point out that Somebody maybe with your personality, uh, you strike me as someone who's like really, you know, joyous and outgoing <laughs> and, and uh, it, they're great qualities. And so for right, you talking right. to an Uber driver or a coworker Point. is low stakes and it's fun uh, and you get to, you know, just, but for a lot of people, <laughs> myself included, who I hate talking to Uber drivers, by the way, <laughs> if I'm in your Uber, please just let Don't me talk. be. It's my social media time. Anyway, I love talking the whole time. If asking it, questions, we should we should go out on a drive. <laughs> I'm just in the back, like guys, roll the windows up. Uh, yeah. yeah, you know, a lot of people will feel like actually it's really awkward to talk to a stranger, and I'm not good at small talk. And my coworkers who see me every day, like actually, that is the most pressure because. I want to show up as as professional and they need to see me as intelligent. And like, so they're actually, these can be some of the most pressure filled situations for people. Whereas the same person could go up on stage in front of a thousand strangers and go, you know what? This isn't a big deal. No one knows me. You know, this is, so uh, you're right to say that environment plays a huge factor. What's fascinating is that the same environment can produce different, different experiences for different people. So it leads me to believe that what's even more important than the environment is is our is our it's our mind. It's how we interpret ourselves in these situations. Yeah. So so I think I think the co- the common thread that you we all agree is that the high pressure situation like what's what's low pressure for me might be high pressure for you but find those high pressure moments and see like when you are like let's say you just entered a uber and you want to talk but you feel hesitant this might be a high pressure situation for you 
whatever you feel where you are feeling that discomfort or you are being a bit uncomfortable see how can i turn that and 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 i can approach this and, and just say few words hi hello what's going on you know so yeah so one one of the fundamental things that ultra speaking through through games as well which you guys um which i want to get into is that you guys create a simulation of high pressure situation and train them put in those reps like speak in front of um like just change the environment throw random words uh anything but as 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 tristan said make from the mess create a masterpiece so i i i love that why why games like why are you teaching um speaking through games it's funny because when we started out the podcast you have a you have a little bit of a checklist right yeah, to get yeah. to ready the the tech checklist make sure everything's working yeah and you you mentioned i you're taking that from the the pilots right pilots yeah, have a yeah. checklist cuz you yeah. don't want to be flying and realize oops i forgot to uh true, i true. forgot the motor um well it's kind of the same <laughs> idea pilots use flight simulators all the time yeah right yeah. you yeah. it it's not a great idea to go inside a multi-million dollar plane fly it mm. up in the sky and try something mm. for the first time or you know work on something until you get great at it. Mm. What's much smarter is to get into the flight simulator yeah. and it's going to feel very real. It's the everything's you're going to forget that you're not in a plane pretty quickly and you get to train everything but when you crash the plane nobody dies you just get to go <laughs> again. And that's kind of the same idea. There are a lot of reasons why there are they are games and we call them games but we we still struggle with it actually because When we call them games, yeah. some people don't take it seriously. Yeah. So sometimes yeah, yeah. we call it tools and sometimes we call it games and we have this we still haven't committed to one or the other. <laughs> But really they are games. Yeah. And the collection of games creates the flight simulator. So we have our flight simulator for speaking. And what we're doing there are a few things that are happening there. I think one of the most important ones might be counterintuitive because it's obvious that yeah if i go into the flight simulator and i train i'm going to get better what's less intuitive i think is that my worst reps are going to go from very bad to okay to good mm-hmm. and i think that's the most important part of this the the simulator all of these games are made for you to stumble because it's because who cares if you stumble when you're playing a game and they're yeah, you're going to yeah. if you're going to play seriously you're going to be doing hundreds or thousands of repetitions. Yeah. But everybody comes to us and says, "My biggest fear is I'm in the meeting and I say something dumb. I'm talking to my boss and he thinks I'm an idiot. I make a fool out of myself or nobody understands what I'm saying. I lose my train of thought." It's all of these doomsday scenarios that are that are basically saying, "What if my worst go at this?" is terrible. Yeah. Well, what we want to do, which is as important as turning your best rep into a great one, is turning bad to good. Because now mm. if I'm walking around in life and I know that worst case scenario, I'm all, you know, people are going to think that was pretty good. Well, imagine the confidence that that comes out of of that. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to make you mess up and give you the opportunity to recover within this mini bubble. Yeah. And a rep is a maximum of 2 minutes. Most of them are seconds long. So I I fumble, can I recover? Now I I fumbled on the previous rep. 
what can I do so that this next one that's coming right now, one second later, what can I do to get into the mindset where I still come into it with full confidence? Yeah. And so if you put all of that together, it, it, it really creates a recipe for very impressive rapid growth because you're just getting so many, so many reps and so many opportunities to be confronted with all of those situations you were terrified about within one session and realizing, oh, it's it's actually not that bad. I just remember one time we said to to somebody who was asking us about you know speaking coaching and and uh, how good they're going to get at speaking and they're like you know will I will I be able to do this 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 and I and I remember it was me or as Tristan that said um, you know great great speaking doesn't come from how great you are at speaking mm-hmm. ironically great speaking has everything to do with how great you are at recovering because mm-hmm. you're, we're all going to have all the symptoms happen to us at some point you lose your train of thought. You realize you're rambling. You say something and you are on another thought, but you you just realized what you said was actually a little bit wrong. And now you're self-conscious. You stumble, you blank, you fumble. All these things are going to keep happening. So it doesn't matter how good your speaking is. Your speaking can be perfect. Will what matters is when the mistake happens, how do you recover? Because if you recover poorly, everyone's going to remember that moment. Yeah. Right, no matter how good your speaking was. So what we're trying to do really is is just train ourselves to get from start to finish mm-hmm. with as much dedication and confidence as we can and build the belief that no matter what happens along the journey, I'm not going to give it too much attention. I'm just going to keep going yeah. and power through. And that's why what Tristan's saying is so important. When your worst reps, all your fumbles, when your worst reps get sort of covered up, or maybe a better way to say it is when they don't affect you as much on the fly, yeah. then all of a sudden people are like, wow, that was fine. That was good. Okay. And you're like, wait, that didn't feel good. You're telling me that was good? You're like, yeah. Like, oh, okay. Interesting. <laughs> and all of a sudden your baseline changes. And when your baseline changes, the baseline belief in your brain starts to change, which says, oh, I'm actually quite good at this no matter what happens it's gonna be okay and i think that is what people want at the end of the day is just that one fundamental belief that no matter what happens i'm gonna be fine i think i think that's there's so much wisdom to unpack over there one of the thing that comes to my mind when you were talking about is that people don't have enough reps right now and that's why they are fretting that when i reach there this could happen and i might mess up My presentation slide won't work. What do I do now? I I forget my script. What do I do now? Through games. And as you said, like games are fun to play and it's difficult to as as a marketing tool to put out there that, hey, we are playing games, but this is serious business out here. And I think I think the key element over there is that, hey, it's not as tough as you think. We can simulate things through the games day in, day out. When we do it, we build that trust that hey, uh, this is, I just came here to play games. And I think now when I approach this meeting, I don't have that big of a confidence issue around it because my brain is like, you have been in this situation, dude. Like, why are you fretting about it? And, and you've been in this situation mm. very recently. Very I recent. like that you bring that up because the feeling of, oh no, I'm going into this thing 
Yeah. And I don't know how it's going to pan out. I don't know how I'm going to do. I'm going to do. Like, I feel that feeling of I feel rusty yeah. is not a good feeling to have when you're going uh, into a high stakes scenario. Yeah. But how are yeah. you supposed to train speaking? What What is the equivalent of getting rid of the rust in speaking? That's pretty tough to find. This speaks to me a lot because recently I'm, I'm very much into stand-up paddle surfing. Okay. So it's stand-up paddle, SUP, SUP. That's, that's tough, um, man. Except I, you're I doing it in waves on tiny boards. Oh. And so it's remarkably difficult, very, very unstable. Yeah. You get, it's, it's very physical. But more than anything, the boards that I ride, a person who has not trained stand-up paddling could yeah. not stand on them, not take a wave, not even stand on them for right. more than a couple of seconds. Yeah. But what happened was I, was I I used to ride a lot, then I had kids and a lot less. <laughs> And recently, I, I hadn't been in the water for, for months, and there was a great swell coming in, lots of waves. And so, I got excited, and I took my, my stand-up out. And I remember, first of all, feeling very uncertain, unsure mm -hmm. about what was going to happen. But I put my foot on and stood up, and I was in the water two seconds later. And I basically spent the entire session standing up, struggling like, as if I were a beginner once more. And I just kept falling back in the water. I got very few waves. And the realization there is, is interesting to me because it is not that suddenly I became bad at it. It's not that my level dropped. Hmm. It's that I was completely out of practice. I was totally rusty and all of these small little reflexes, these, and it's stand up paddling is all about the ability to recover instantaneously because I'm, you start to fall, you recover. And, and if you're really good, you can't even tell that you start to fall because your body's just doing it naturally. So this is what was happening to me, stand up paddling. And this is the gift that playing these games gives you. If yeah. you're, every day in a room where you're playing all these games that are constantly putting you off balance and you're constantly getting back into balance. Well, then when you walk into the meeting, you feel on, you're ready. You could, you could stand up paddle with your eyes closed. You could speak, you know, throw me anything, throw me words while I'm speaking. I could take that on. No yeah. problem. Yeah. So there's a lot of it that, that comes down to feeling like you're feeling like you're on, feeling like you're in practice, feeling like, like everything is, is, vibrating at the right yeah. frequency. Just natural. Just natural. Yeah. You talked about reflex, which I think is huge. We haven't talked about that yet, but yeah. so much of skill performance comes from in the moment reactions. It comes from instinct. Mm. So when you are out of practice, you know, you feel it because you, there's just a small micro level of thinking in situations that you just haven't experienced in a while. So that little gap where you are no longer just flowing, but rather reacting with a little bit of hesitation, that makes all the difference. And that's why you hear about professional athletes who go to their first Stanley Cup or their first NBA playoffs and they, they are great but they they struggle in that environment whereas somebody who's been there five six seven times this is their eighth championship they just know how to handle that scenario because of the familiarity so there is this thing of of having the reflex and training your skill to a point where where you know that you're not the one that's doing the skill anymore it's happening based on the instinctive response mm -hmm. 
And I find that very, very fascinating because most people learn, including myself. I, I'm, I'm not a very good learner, I don't think. And when I try and learn things, I get this terrible trap where I listen to a YouTube video or I read a book and it, it cognitively makes perfect sense. Mm. And that's the biggest trap because you get it and you feel like you get it, but there's no right. habit loop that's ingrained yeah. into your body. Yeah. So when it comes time to actually do the thing, well, your habits are are not honed and your instincts don't kick in. So True. that's why I, you know, I feel like the biggest thing that Tristan continues to add to ultra speaking is this emphasis on it's about the reps. It's There's no other way to do yeah. it than to yeah. do the thing you are learning to do. Yeah. And uh, that's great wisdom, but I have great resistance to it. <laughs> what, I, what I love about you both, like uh, when researching you, was you guys have started a company together. You have worked for, from so many years together. And still, like on the podcast that you guys have, you're constantly questioning each other that, hey, no, no, no. Talk to me more about that. You say that, no, I, I won't let you get away with it. Explain more. What are the caveats? You know, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Huge, huge respect and kudos to you both. And that shows that even though you have started a company, it's not like you won't have um, a difference of opinion or, you know, like you have to be bored on all the time. And I love that, that you don't pose yourself as an expert that, hey, I know everything. You talk about how you are also evolving as a person. And in this journey, you are ready to say, hey, you you know what i was wrong and this is the new thing that i have found and this makes a whole lot of sense and that's that's so human like so i think i love what you guys are preaching over here that you have to have the reps what we have established up till now is that if i give you tactics you would be good for one or two talks but if in the long run you really have to feel that you are in your element it is a journey like anything else you have to get like you have the option of using high pressure but low stake situation which will provide you the rep so i love that i love that well said well said what about what about like i understand that you guys have your games and um, you also have your fundamental course that you guys use and also you do coaching with with clients how does an ultra speaker prepare when he's about to give a presentation let me reframe the question what is preparation according to you both that's such a fun question i can because I can take it in so many directions. I can talk, I can talk about the ultra speaking pr principles, right? We have honed what I think is a remarkably powerful methodology that's very, very simple, but that's extremely powerful and gives you tremendous freedom as a speaker. But I can also talk about in reality, what does it look like when Michael and I prepare and the the variation there is 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 gigantic. I think people would find that interesting. How do you and I prepare? Yeah, let's let's play let's play that game for a little bit. Yeah. So the the thing about me and Tristan, the the yin and yang of it is that uh, I hate preparing. Like I despise preparing with okay. my entire life. And if it were up to me, if the company were run by me, I, everything would be unprepared and would just happen in the moment. <laughs> And in my mind, you know, we'd be 10 times more profitable. We'd have like a huge net. So Tristan comes on board and he says, look, it's not really fair to not prepare. 
Mm. It's not fair to our clients. It's not fair to our to our to anybody to our audience. It's not fair if we don't prepare, mm. because if we don't prepare, we're basically saying, "Hey, we're going to show up, and when it's time to speak, we're going to say, 'Hey, we haven't really thought about this before, mm. so you know, but but here we go, we're going to speak.'" Mm. And yeah, my wife talks about this too, where like I freestyle rap, and she's like, "Freestyle rap is cool. It's awesome watching you do it, but." At the end of the day, like you have rappers like NF or Logic who are spending months on songs to think about and and really work on them and put something to really think through ideas. And you're just doing it on the fly. And there really is a difference between the two products, right? The what happens in the moment and what happens with months of preparation. So for me and Tristan to live life normally, we have to find a happy balance. And that's why we come to a compromise and we say, okay, you know what? For the important stuff, we will prepare. (laughs) But how we prepare is probably the the unique thing that we we try and share and teach as much as possible because I Mm -hmm. think how we prepare has to satisfy both our, our, this feeling we want of like, we are prepared, we're ready, we know we did our homework, but also this feeling of like, I, I don't want to prepare for everything. I don't mm. want to spend a lot of time and do a lot of work and, and I still want to be spontaneous in the moment. So how do you find that middle point? That's really, I think, what, we, what we're very, very curious about. Going back to what you said, like the relationship Michael and I have it is very yin-yang. And I think this is why we find we still find each other so interesting and we we still like to push the other person back a little bit and 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 have them think a little bit deeper or vice versa but so but yeah our methodology for example is the is the perfect middle ground in between who michael is and who i am i want to i want to rebound on two things michael said i think number 1 it has to be sustainable mm. Mm. And the only way it's going to be sustainable is if you enjoy it somewhat, Mm. Mm. right? So it is important to first take a look at what is my job? How often am I preparing? Am I presenting? Because if you're giving a speech once a year, if it's a one-time thing, then sure, you could kill yourself doing it. I'm I'm okay with that. I mean, Mm. it's too bad, but it's not the end of the world. But if you're an, an executive in a company and you're giving a presentation every week or every other week, yeah, yeah. if you're losing sleep on that, if you're working like crazy, if you're True. missing out on seeing your family, if yeah. you're stressed out, it's not worth it. True. It is not True. worth it. True. True. So how can we find this beautiful balance and understand what am I preparing for mm. is very, very important as well. Because one thing that Michael and I noticed is that if we're going into a coaching session, for example... Where that where are we going to be? Where we are going to be speaking? Mm. Our best preparation is not sitting down and taking a piece of paper and and like writing out the outline of how we want the session to go. Because the, the, the our preparation is getting ourselves into the best possible state, mm. so that we can be in tune Point. with the moment, with the person in front of us, and that we can be spontaneous yeah. and we can shift focus if needed our worst coaching sessions ever have come when we decided on the direction it would take on the beginning the middle and the end before the session yeah yeah our best sessions happen 
when we have an idea of that. Nice. So we, we do, if we, we, sometimes it happens and it follows exactly what we were thinking. But most of the time we're going to be going in a direction and we're, I'm, I'm in tune with that intuition. And you know what? I think we have to go over there. Yeah. And I go over there and we move in those directions and that creates the best situations. So it's important to understand what am I preparing for? Hmm. Is this something that's going to be recorded hmm. where words might have a little bit more of an importance than something that is going to happen once where I have to connect and touch the people in the audience? Hmm. That's very, very different. I think most people, from what we see, most people have the issue of over-preparing. So in most cases, preparation has to come down and give way to something different, something that gives you access to more spontaneity, more freedom, less worry. When you start leaning in that direction, whichever the opposite of where you're at is, mm -hmm. that's when the magic starts to happen. Yeah. So let, let's make it real for, for people. So how do yeah. Tristan and I actually prepare? We, we have to focus on what's the most important thing. Yeah. Right. So there's a, just... The most important thing, uh, usually for us, is intention. Mm. What's what's mm. the intention for this coaching session? What's the intention for this podcast? What's the intention for this meeting? Mm. And intention is is strongly tied into this concept of the one thing, right? Mm. What's the one thing we want our audience to take away? What's the one message we want to share? And sometimes we'll we'll give that the real thought. Mm -hmm. For a podcast or a coaching session, the intention usually is like, look, let's just, let's honestly, let's just be really present. Yeah, let's, yeah. let's trust our intuition, right? Yeah. And let's just, let's just stay open. But we might also be working with this client for a, a few months and we might know, okay, we really need to get them to a place where they can, they can just enter no mind, where they can mm. get out of there. So we have that in our back pocket, right? Mm. But, but how we do that is we don't know. We, we, we trust that in the moment it's going to happen. When we prepare for a keynote, we might want to get across all, all these different insights and principles, but we know at the end of the day, like it's like reading a book. People are just going to get theory. And theory. What's, what's most important is not the theory, it's that some behavior change or some mindset shift happens. So maybe our one thing for a keynote is just the idea that you are already better than you realize. And all our all our time speaking and playing games in front of audiences might just be to sh to drive that message home to show people, oh, when you speak without thinking, when you operate from instinct, it actually goes better. So ultimately, I guess what I'm trying to say is our preparation, what it actually looks like <laughs> is five minutes before the call <laughs> yeah. or or even five hours or five days before the call, we just start talking about it. And we're like, hey, like this thing is coming up. What's important about it? Mm. And we just kind of discuss and align and throw out all our hopes and dreams and questions and uncertainties. But at the end of the day, when we come in, we really just have two things. We have, we have an intention of how we want to show up, mm. present, open, spontaneous. And maybe we have this one compass, this one North Star of what we believe matters most in this session right right and with just those two things we trust that in the moment our bodies our minds our experience will will guide us and we'll be able to bounce off each other's energies and bounce off the client and and figure it out on the fly 
And I think what's interesting is that as we were learning these skills, as we started coaching, we faced many, many moments where in the coaching session, we don't know what to do next. Mm. And that is people's biggest fears. Yeah. What if I'm, I'm getting paid for this, I'm in the moment, everyone's looking at me, and I don't know what to do next. And what do you do next? Tristan, what do you do in that moment? Um, exactly that. I, I freak out. <laughs> well, it, it's a fun, it's a fun, so it's a wonderful place yeah. to learn to enjoy. Yeah. Because just like anything in life, you can take it as dread or you can take it as excitement and something beautiful. And it's easier said than done. It takes some practice and it takes wanting to go in that direction. And I used to freak out. And thankfully, in the beginning, we, we basically never coached anyone without being together. So it was always Michael and I coaching. So sometimes yeah. I would have no idea what to do in that moment. Michael would notice or not, but would naturally pick up and then I'd say, oh, yeah, that is an interesting direction and, and vice versa. And so I'm also, I'm, I'm building a little bit of the skill of finding out, of get, just getting better at coaching, number one. Mm. But what really ends up happening is that you realize that it doesn't matter. You realize that it's much more important to choose a direction and go in that direction owning it fully as if that were the one and only best possible direction you could take while at the same time being willing to shift and the, for the next breath. Hmm. Because if you just sit there thinking, the answer is not going to come. The answer comes from doing, not from waiting. Yeah. 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 So you just take a guess when you don't know you, you, you take a guess, you pick a direction. Yeah. And then you see, oh no, that was totally wrong. So yeah. once you see that it's totally wrong and you have a, you get clarity right away. Yeah. Actually, I should have gone in this direction. Yeah. But the key, the key to, to learn over the years is to own both, own both decisions. Yeah. So, so you say, wow, okay, great. I'm glad we went into this direction. This is awesome. So now what we're going to do is we're going to go in this other direction because mm. And you, you don't say, I'm sorry, that was, I, I was totally guessing. You, you yeah. don't apologize. You don't, you, you trust that every step is getting you one step closer to where you want to go. Right. And in the moments where you don't know, well, the biggest thing is to just get started and go in a direction. And this principle applies to speaking. Hmm. That's why we say speak before you think. Yeah. When you don't have an answer, when you're stuck in your brain, more thinking is only going to bring more uncertainty and doubt and anxiety. Yeah. Instead, choose a direction. Just start speaking in a direction and you'll quickly realize on the fly where you need to go next. And so once you have that momentum, you can pivot and you don't need to apologize for how you started. You don't need to do any of that. You just kind of build the skill of walking a little bit blindly at times. And if you can walk blindly with some confidence and get used to that type of experience, that type of feeling, yeah, yeah. well, then all of a sudden you don't, you don't fear as much uh, upcoming events. You don't fear not knowing how things will go 
because you trust that in the moments where you don't know what to do, you'll kind of pretend a little bit, you'll pick a direction. And then in the moment that you're doing it, the next step, the next path will unfold. Yeah. Throughout the conversation, I think, I think whenever you guys speak, there is, there are so many things to get into. And then this podcast can go for hours and hours because there is so much wisdom in each of the things that you guys bring up. The magic of spontaneity, the whole, the whole idea of trusting like you guys for you now the preparation is all about balancing that yin yang thing you know but why are you guys able to do that because you have practiced over the years you have developed that trust hey you know what like things will work out as tristan said that if it's a high stakes meeting maybe you guys would prepare and and bring in the intention for it so for the listener out there who is listening and and they are just beginning would you guys say that it's all about firstly getting in the reps, building that trust slowly and steadily, and then coming towards these things as well, like setting the intention right? Um, what What is that one key message? Because as, as a beginner, I remember my toast, first Toastmaster speeches that I gave. I introduced so many ideas. I wanted to give everything. Whatever I have, I, I want to give everything. But that just confuses the audience. And I think that's put so much pressure on me as well that, oh, I, I have to remember this. I have to, oh, from here, I have to go there. So so when when a listener who is just beginning in this process, how would you guide that, guide them? Like, hey, you know what? It is all about trusting yourself. But these, this is the way that I would recommend you take that path. I think it's about simplifying. Because... Hmm. I made the same exact mistake. Yeah. It was at Toastmasters as well. And right the, at the very beginning of the meeting, the president said, hey, would you be willing to give an impromptu speech? Mm. And I said, okay, because I was in the middle of a competition. So at that point, I had given myself the rule of always saying yes to any opportunity to speak. Yeah. But I was terrified. I don't remember what it was about, but I, I do remember just trying to fit in so much into this one talk and then coming back and Michael writing a little note for me of saying, you can't win them all or something. Like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, it was so bad. And oh, that's so funny, <laughs> but it's, it's, it still feels fresh. It was four years ago yeah. or something like that. And it, it's funny because it still feels so, so fresh. Everything felt so important. I felt like if I didn't give the whole picture, nobody would really understand. Mm. And now I know that that's completely false. It's, it's actually the opposite. And your instinct is wrong. If you're a beginner, your instinct of how much you have to say, how much you have to put in, it's wrong. Yeah. And so you have to tune your instinct. Yeah. Yeah. And as a beginner, it's going to be hard to take a huge leap, right? If you're not, if you haven't, somebody hasn't proven to you that this works and you haven't seen it in action, then you're not going to throw away everything you'd prepared and just go with one thing, although that would yield the best results. So I think what the advice I would give to a beginner is kind of the, the advice editors give to writers. What can you take out that will not take away from the quality? So if you don't have a, a very, very clear one thing that's step one what is the actual one thing you have to know because then you don't if you don't have a one thing you don't know what you can take out so what is the actual intention what is the thing that i would like to tattoo in my listener's brain 
if I could? What's that one sentence? And once you have that, then go through your talk again, go through your speech, your presentation, your pitch or whatever it is. And anything you can take out, take it out. And if you're a beginner, I can guarantee that when you think you can take nothing out anymore, I could probably slash it in half and make it better just by taking things out. So that's really the one thing I would give to a beginner. Simplify. A lot of people listening who consider themselves beginning beginners might not have a speech or a presentation. They might not be working on that type of content. Hmm. And they're just looking to say, hey, how can I be more confident? How can I speak better in the day-to-day? And for them, Tristan said something at the beginning of his answer right here, which I found fascinating. He said, the president asked me to give an impromptu speech. Mm. And I said, yes, because I made a deal that I would say yes to every opportunity to speak. An intention as, as simple as that will get a beginner to, to yeah. improve, is to just take those, take those opportunities. But I think that ultimately, like if, if you are a person who struggles with confidence, just like I did, if you are a person who doesn't believe they're good at speaking, just like I did, and if, if you have this kind of identity around it, right, then the most important thing, the most important thing, in my opinion, is to start building the belief that I'm working on it and getting mm. better. Right, right. So right. it doesn't matter what you do. I I almost suggest you learn the wrong techniques. It doesn't matter. It it really doesn't matter. What matters is that you feel like you have momentum and that you're feeling like you're doing something about it and you're committed to actually change this thing. So you have to believe maybe one or two things. Number one, you have to believe this is a learnable skill. Confidence is learnable. Speaking is learnable. Everything can improve with just a little bit of practice. Hmm. So you have to believe that this thing about you, which feels like this is just who I am. No, 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 no. This is just who you've been. Hmm. You, could, you can become any, any quality of person you'd like to be. So that's number one. And number two, there's nothing worse in my life. Fitness is a great example. There's nothing worse than paying for a fitness coach and not doing the work. Yeah, and waking up and going, my back hurts, and I'm frustrated. I this thing will never go away. Why will it never go away? Because I'm just not the type of person who has been successful with a fitness habit, mm. and that sucks. And so you feel like it's impossible. I'm just not making progress. Things aren't getting better, and yet I know if I just did five push-ups a day, if that were my only thing, I after a month I would feel like you know what I I am in a fitness mindset. I have, a, I have a habit and I know those five push-ups would lead to other things. Like I do more push-ups, I would actually, maybe I jump rope, whatever, right? You, you build the momentum. So if you're a beginner, it's fine. Everyone's a beginner at this thing. Get started, build momentum and do anything consistently. And you'll, you'll the most important thing for any skill, in my opinion, you want to still be doing it six months from now. Yeah. So no matter what, just find a way to make it fun for yourself to start learning, even if it just means a YouTube video a week on speaking. It doesn't matter. Just do something that you enjoy and make sure that half a year from now, you're still enjoying the learning process. The whole idea of walk in the wrong direction, but be conscious about it. It's okay. But walking is important. The whole, the whole, do do you guys think the whole idea of putting my best foot forward is one of our biggest hurdles that, that 
stops us to actually go out there and start doing things. What's Without our mantra for the year, Tristan? What's the mantra? <laughs> what is the mantra? <laughs> uh, great is the enemy of good. Oh, yeah. Wanting to put your best foot forward hmm. is at the root of all speaking anxiety. Yeah. Who are you to know which foot is best? Nice. <laughs> First of all, right? <laughs> like who, you're probably making, we're all just figuring it out. Let's not forget, we are all human beings at any level. We've, that's, that's a cool perk of working in, in my job is that I get to work with students all the way up to CEOs. So, and when, and everybody's as vulnerable when they're, when they're here playing speaking games and it's, it's human to human. It doesn't matter if you're the CEO. It doesn't, it makes absolutely no difference in my line of work. So it's, I get to see the human behind the title and I can, I mean, everybody says this and you hear it, but when you live it and you see it for yourself, it's different. And everybody is at every level trying, just trying to figure it out. And that means that everybody's just making decisions, hoping that they're the best possible decision, knowing that some of those decisions are just absolutely wrong, right? But that's just life. And in speaking, it's the same. So if you're trying to put your best foot forward and you're holding on to that as this is the pillar for my confidence, mm. that means that in many cases, the foot's going to change depending on the, the environment. So if I'm with a certain boss who's a certain way, I'm going to try to be a certain way because I'm going to think that's the way this person wants me to be or this is what the best version of me might look like in front of this person. But then you're going to be a different version of yourself in a different scenario, in a different environment. And that's the a recipe for disaster. The simplest image, now put those two people in the same room and wh who are you supposed to be? You're supposed to be two different people in front of yeah. each of them. Now they're in the same room looking at you. What do you do? It's so debilitating. It's terrifying, right? There's, in yeah. addition to constantly having to filter yeah. everything you do so that it fits that persona that you've created for yourself, yeah. now I have, I have to be two people at once yeah. or 10 or 15. So if you can switch the goal from I'm going to try and put my best foot forward to I'm going to try and discover more of who I actually am hmm. and become hmm. better at knowing that and being yeah. that yeah. in any environment. Now we're talking. Yeah. Now we're talking about a search for lightness and freedom and ease and fluidity and flow and presence. And it's, it's everything we, we should be looking for. And it's an, it's a, it's an ongoing practice. I, I need to jump in um, because listening to this from the perspective of, of who I imagine your audience to be <laughs> is like me listening to the Dalai Lama. <laughs> Thank you for comparing me to the Dalai Lama. <laughs> it's like me listening to God himself. No, it's like, it's like me listening to the Dalai Lama who just says, you know, just be. And the less of you you are, you know, the more of you you will become. And all of these, all of these truths, these things that, that he only figured out and that are so intuitive for him through years, decades of this journey, right? But in reality, to get to that, it's like telling somebody to relax, 
Tristan always uses this example. Hey, just relax. Well, I can't relax. That's the problem. That's the end result. That's the end result. <laughs> yeah, so, during meditation, calm your mind. I, I don't know how to calm. Exactly. Exactly. So when people start meditating, maybe one of the first thing things they learn is to just count your breaths. Mm. And counting your breaths is a great technique because it just it takes the mind and it gives it a, a focus. Right. But if you talk to advanced meditators and advanced meditators, but if you talk to if you talk to people who are really into meditation, they're going to get so critical. They're like, oh, I hate that students start out learning how to count the breath because a meditation is about letting go of any singular focus. And it's just mm -hmm. about awareness and practicing detachment. And so they're right. They're totally right. But you sit down to meditate. And you try to do nothing and be and be the Dalai Lama and you're never going to meditate again because it's it's too hard and you have no stability and direction. And sometimes, sometimes we need something as ridiculous as saying, hey, when you're nervous, clench your butt cheeks, as uh. one public speaking coach says, when you're nervous, <laughs> clench your butt cheeks and and it will control your nerves. And it's ridiculous advice. And yet we've seen it being given at, at, at huge at seminars at Google. Right. So Crazy. that thing is not going to change your life, but maybe, maybe you need that tool to feel a sense of control, structure and direction, like you're making progress. And so, because I know we're, we're winding down in the podcast, I do want to tell people, look, when you go to ultra speaking, you will find techniques, you'll find the power of ending strong, simple way to improve your speaking. Lowest hanging fruit is ending strong. Right, so you start practicing that. You'll you'll discover speak before you think. You'll discover choose one thing, right? You'll start practicing pausing. You'll discover all these tools. If you go to Toastmasters, you'll discover different tools: open hand gestures, direct eye contact, vocal variety. If you're a beginner, it doesn't matter what tools you use, yeah. as long as you feel like you have some sense of control. Yeah. Of you know what. This, this month, I'm practicing open hand gestures, Love and that. it feels like it's working. Yeah. It's only when you're in the journey, it's only when you're on the road that you can start asking the bigger questions like, well, what is, what is underneath these tools? And what is the ultimate philosophy that I'm trying to get to? But yeah. I, unless you're on the journey, the Dalai Lama is not going to help you. <laughs> you got to start doing the work. I, I I think you summarize this so well, and um, you like Tristan covered the part. Like I I could understand what Tristan is saying completely, and I was like, "Yep, I'm on board." And then you brought a beautiful perspective of someone who is still not on that journey, and listening to this would be like, "Hey, I don't know what you're saying. I don't know what you're talking about." And I love that you covered both the aspects. That if if you are on the journey. Slowly and steadily reflect on it. If you're not on the journey, first get on the journey. Only then the reflection would take place. And I think, I think, yeah, the yin yang. And I think, I think that's that's so powerful right over there. That just start in in your coaching as well. You have ending strong. The, the don't break the character. Storytelling, pausing. These are some great tools to make you. An amazing speaker, or, or like just just enthrall your audience, captivate your audience. But the moment of captivating the audience would come if you have first allowed yourself to be on that journey, to be a bit imperfect. It's okay to make yes. mistakes. It's okay to to fumble and not find words to say. 
and as you notice that hey it's okay people don't notice like i think i think it was somewhere said that we think so much of our own self no one else thinks about us you know we just think that they are thinking about us and we mess it up so much so it's okay just make mistakes slowly and steadily you will reach there but you have to allow yourself to be imperfect and, and just put the be- put the foot forward in order for it to become the best before i ask my last question where can people find more about ultra speaking and how can they connect with you the free content is at uh on our podcast mm-hmm. you type ultra speaking on any podcast listener and you'll find us same thing on youtube those two will be growing in the future bunch of things happening there and you will find the t- the tactics you will find yeah. what is ending strong what is mm. speak before you think what is the one thing yeah we we want to get those out there so we don't go on every podcast and just repeat the the yeah. things we we say so the tactics you can find online and please do because that's going to make this conversation so much more impactful and then everything else you can find on ultraspeaking.com and uh we're actually putting out I'm very excited we're putting out this this week our first uh our first game for free Oh, nice. which is uh which is a big step for ultra speaking because this is something we've always had in mind since the very beginning and this this has started out and the only way to grow was to have high ticket points have high price points to yeah. to work with us just because our it's only two people exchanging our time for money yeah. and we have to sustain this so we realized from the very get go that we were cutting a lot of people out and that's just how so it's it's kind of like the tesla model you yeah. start with the super sports car that almost nobody can afford but that allows you to get the the car that's a little bit more affordable and as you're building yeah. up everything Slowly you're getting lower so and lower so now our games uh, are just $30,000 it's uh, <laughs> it's the, the lowest model yeah. and uh, please buy the model <laughs> a of ultra speaking no the so we, we're going to have uh, i think well well by the, well, by the time this is out um without it there will be there's at least one if not more games that you can try out for yourself and play online on our website ultraspeaking.com very easy to find yeah. and then we have all kinds of different things you can get access to daily trainings the course and and much much more love that yeah. love that I'll, i'll be linking all of them in my show notes as well so for awesome. the listeners don't worry i'll i'll be linking everything about my research about them some interesting podcast that came up during my research and i i vouch for the podcast that these guys are doing because speak before you think the preparation when you get into the meat of it of how these guys in on the podcast they discuss about it it will blow your mind so i will be linking everything in the show notes my last question for you both is if i give you a megaphone and you have to shout a message it can be about life it can be about just speaking anything that comes to your mind that you now you know it now and you wish you had known that before what would it be go san jose sharks <laughs> uh <laughs> uh you know i i will preface this as a way to escape the answer for a little bit um this is the question that we would ask our clients you know a, a variation of this question we'd mm. ask our clients when they're pr- preparing any sort of content because mm. essentially you're asking you're asking us at the end of the day what matters most what's your one thing 
Mm. What's the thing you want on the billboard of the universe? Yeah. yeah. And uh, so it's a, it's a wonderful question that uh, because we ask our clients, we never get to answer it ourselves. Lovely. <laughs> yeah. For, for two, three years now, Tristan and I have a scary message we want to put out into the world, but we're too scared to do it because we believe that people won't, uh, there'll be huge backlash. People will get angry at us and it'll uh, ruin our business. But it's this. Speaking is just a game. If you, if you believe that, you know, I believe life is just a game, <laughs> you know, and, and there are people in the world who have been through such intense pain and suffering that they're going to look at my, my privileged bottom and they're going to say, you, 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 <laughs> it's like life is a game. Life is not a game. Life is a dog eat dog world. Life is tough. Like, like you're so naive to think life is this fickle thing that you can play around with. Like you don't understand anything and they're right, you know? So, but I, but also I'm right. <laughs> and anyone's right. Who, who has a mental model on life. They, we kind of get to experience this thing in the way we want to. So I like to think of it as a game and I like to think of, you know, problems as opportunities. And I like to think of like these rules, like if you put good out into the world, you'll get good back. And these are just like, these are the, the rules of my game that I, I like to play. Well, the truth is I, I approach speaking and we approach speaking in the same way. It's fun there. Everybody is improvising speaking, no matter what you believe about people. There's no way everything is prepared. Most of speaking, if not all of it, happens spontaneously. So there's a there's game elements. Oh, what do you do when it gets hard and you 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 lose your train of thought? Ah, okay, we'll train that skill. You know, all of this is just one big game that we're figuring out. And the more the more that all of us lean into it, the more the pressure gets taken away. The more we start stop seeing it as this like thing we have to get right, and instead it's this this fun experiment that we get to see. Well, how is our speaking going to be today? When we finish the podcast, we're going to recap and we're going to go, you know, how did we feel today? And maybe one of us will say, ah, my brain was fuzzy. Like I don't know, there were moments <laughs> it didn't go well. Maybe we'll say, yeah, today was a good day. But the truth is, no matter how good you get. In any sport, in any game, you're going to have good days. You're going to have off days. Okay. When you keep the perspective that this is all play and this is all us trying to do our best at this game, I think it makes life a little bit sweeter, a little bit more enjoyable. So billboard to the universe, megaphone, my final answer, lock it in. Uh, speaking is just a game. Speaking is just a game. <laughs> Love so that. In, in good, uh, in good ultra speaking form, I shall not do my own. I shall complete Michael's. I, I just want to add to that billboard. And actually, <laughs> I, I want that billboard like, outside like of my house. It's like the tombstone analogy I think Michael gave that you guys will have a tombstone together. And you'll... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Next to each other completing the PS. Yeah. <laughs> and there'll have to be another tombstone because we we had too much to say. <laughs> oh, that's I would so add, funny. Uh, Renting uh, a third tombstone. Uh, right. Is it just to add? Yeah. <laughs> Appending. Okay. Yeah. I would add learn to play. Learn. Speaking is just a game. Learn to play. So 
now I really want to make that into a, I want to find out how much it would cost to have that on Lincoln Boulevard out there uh, next to my house because I want to drive by that every day. Yeah. Speaking is just a game. Learn to play. We came up with this over three and a half years ago. Right after, I know where we were. We have it recorded, actually, this conversation where this came out the first time. And it's taken us, it's taken us three and a half years to have the courage to like put it out in a sense. We haven't really put it out yet, but in this, in this setting, because that at the, at the end of the day, that's what we believe. If you, if you start enjoying anything, it becomes a game. It becomes fun. Business is a, is a, is a game. Entrepreneurship is a game. Your job is a game. If you're enjoying it and you're in the right place, it feels like a game. It feels awesome. It feels fun. It feels like, you know what, what Naval Ravikant says, find something that feels like play to you and work to others. I think that if you start enjoying something enough, that speaking is so deeply ingrained into who we are as human beings, that it is within reach of anybody to enjoy speaking to the point where it feels like a game. And then it's just about getting better at playing that game. And, and everything, everything unlocks from there. I love that. Every answer that you guys gave on the podcast, it always felt that that's a separate podcast that we should get into. (laughs) 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 So many things to pack over there. Speaking is a game and learn how to play the game. I love it. Thank you so much, Tristan and Michael, for for coming on the show. Guys, my whole experience with ultra speaking is just they are putting out there something that is quite evident, but not quite commonly practiced. They are just bringing the sensibility in what's it's already out there and people are not talking about. People are talking about the quick fixes, but we are not focusing on the root, the meat of the issue that why do we feel so fearful when it comes to speaking? Why is it the number one fear over death? (laughs) Why is it that? And they are questioning that and they are coming up with amazing simulations like flight simulator, making you feel that you are in that flight simulator and you can crash, you can burn yourself, but you will come out stronger. Speaking is a game and you have to learn it, how to play. Thank you.